Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Zone Blitz. As always, I'm Vince Miller, joined by my co-host Ashton Overholt. So, Ashton, we had quite the week too. Lots of football craziness happened, and I'll just start it off by asking you one simple question: Will Notre Dame ever win a football game again? <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you're if if we need to quite jump off the cliff just yet. <laughs> um, you were high on, on Notre Dame this year, as was I. I think we, we, we both like Notre Dame a lot. And, woof, buddy, that looked rough. It, the, the offense was – it. there was no real vertical threat. There was – he had some some open throws. Even late in the game when it was still a, um, a, a close game, he had a chance to hit a guy over the top and, and just didn't lead him appropriately. Stuff like that happened a lot. It, it looked yeah. dysfunctional. Yeah, I, 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 I hate to, yeah, it's, it's, it's all, I mean, it's overreaction. I mean, that's, of course, that's what we're going to do here that we're college football fans. We have to, but um, yeah, it looked rough. It looked rough. How your, your opinion, how, how upset were you watching that game? Did it surprise you at all that you would just come out and just lay an egg like that? Yeah, it was, it was so weird because I've seen Notre Dame be upset before. It's been a while. Um, they Before this, they had won 42 straight games against unranked opponents mm-hmm. going back to 2016. Right. Um, and I've seen them lose in heartbreaking fashion before, but I don't know that I've ever seen them play a group of five team and just be outplayed like this. The way right. In a year when they're supposed to be good. You know, 2007, when they lost everybody, went three and nine. That's that's a different story. We're talking about 15 years ago. But in the last decade, no. And it didn't it didn't look like a fluke. I mean, they got beat on both sides of the ball, which a week ago, you know, we thought that Notre Dame might have a chance to win that battle with Ohio State on the line of scrimmage, and they did not, which was mildly surprising. And then you go and lose the battle on the line of scrimmage to Marshall. And for, by the way, for anybody, for anybody who's living under a rock and doesn't know, Marshall beat Notre Dame 26 to 21. That's the final score. Yeah. Um, and it did not look like a fluke. They had good cornerback play. They had an incredible line play on both sides, really. It was yes. Notre Dame would hike the ball and immediately their offensive line was about a yard behind where they started, mostly the center and the right card, which we can talk about. <laughs> they, there's, it's it's a little bit shocking how just poorly they played everywhere. The quarterback play was bad. You mentioned you mentioned a little bit. Tyler Buckner went down with, with an injury in the fourth quarter, um, but up to that point, he was missing throws. He, he looked okay in some of the intermediate stuff, but had a bunch of deep shots, which is what Marshall was giving them. Marshall was going to force them to beat him deep, right? And I, I think he completed like one of seven passes that were past 15 or 20 yards, something like that. It was just – and that included – they had Braden Lindsey absolutely wide open at the end of the first half when they could have taken the lead and just sort of sort of going into halftime with like, okay, they gave us their best shot. We're finally in front now, and, and it's, it's our turn. And just missed him, just flat out missed the throw. He had no one close to him. It would have been a touchdown. And – you could just feel the, I don't know. It it was just a very deflating situation. 
Um, the receivers weren't playing well. They quit on a lot of routes, weren't fighting for the ball. The offensive line, I already mentioned that. The interior offensive line in particular was terrible. Um, the defense was okay. Like, they weren't amazing, but they also played well enough to win against Marshall. Um, they, they, they did, but, I mean, they gave up a lot of rushing yards too. They did. Like, like most of Marshall's success wasn't really through the air. I think they – Marshall ran the ball. Yeah, they ran for 220 yards and a touchdown yes. on, on 50 carries. Not a super high average. But I mean, when when a running back goes for 170 yards, like they're like like Lam, uh, is it Laborn? Laborn, yeah, former five Laybourne. star for Florida State. No kidding, I did yes. not know that. Mm-hmm. The when when they go for that much, it's yeah, it's a signal that there's they're they're definitely <laughs> they're as I don't you you hate to you hate to say that that um I mean it's two weeks in a row for Notre Dame getting run on, yep. especially late in games when it matters, yeah when it matters it was very yeah it was it was difficult to watch and the I, I think what was so so surprising and we sh- yeah the Sun Belt in general had a terrific terrific day like yes. we get more on more on the rest of those games in a bit but there's a lot of depth in in the Sun Belt and in some some of these like we, what we view as lesser conferences like like they're very much viewed as as not as much but line play and like they have like a good a good running back or a, a good quarterback in some instances. They can really give teams um, a, a really tough game. It was it was a, they're very physical, hard nosed. We didn't see this. Me, me and you, neither one of us saw this one coming because we both had Notre Dame <laughs> in, in our locks of the week. We had agreement. And when me and you, by the way, I'm not just saying that, but whenever me and you agree on a lock of the week, our, our average is insanely high. Like it's incredibly high when me and you agree. And we did, we thought Notre Dame would come out and roll over them. And we talked in our preview that the, the only way Notre Dame doesn't come out and just shell Marshall is if there's some residue or, or some something left over from last week. Like, yeah. like they're kind of just like, just, it, it rolls over from one week to the next. And it seems like it absolutely happened. Like yeah. Notre Dame, Dame is no no doubt the more talented football team. No one's debating that. But you got into a, a situation with a scrappy Sunbelt team who has some talent at some key positions. You yep. mentioned their cornerbacks. The, the corners were really good. Stefan Gilmore's brother. brother yeah. <laughs> yeah. He had a pick six there to, oh. to ice the game pretty much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and like the running back that we talked about too. So it was, um, yeah, that that has to be like that's. I remember when like like back when that was happening to Georgia a lot, and it was so like as the game rolls on, you get a bad feeling, and then it gets into the third quarter and it's still close, and you're like like you just have a bad feeling, like the body language just isn't in a good place for your team at all. Like it starts mm-hmm. to fall apart, and yeah, we saw them not be able to hit shots over the top. It was a, a brilliant plan from Marshall, I think. Like as yes. far as going for the upset, like that. Their, their coaches, I mean, hats off to them. That's absolutely. Charles Huff is a really good coach. He, he had them ready to play, and they they were prepared. Clint Trickett is their offensive coordinator. I don't know if you remember the West Virginia quarterback from several yeah. years ago. And he, yeah, yeah. They, they just played well. So credit goes to Marshall. Like, they are a good team, and they played well. Um, but it's still. <laughs> there's, it's Marshall. It's, it's Marshall. Marshall. You can't yeah. lose that game. And. Yeah, so Buckner goes down in the fourth quarter. Drew Pine comes in, and there was there was a lot of cheering in the stadium. And then on his oh, second really? throw, he threw just a horrible interception. Like it was yeah. so bad. 
And to add in, to add injury to insult, um, yeah, we find out today that Buckner is out most likely for the entire season. Yeah. Um, so it'll be Drew Pine and possibly some true freshman Steve Angeli going forward. And it's a little scary. I'm just saying like, and I think Tommy Reese definitely shares some blame because the play calling was not perfect by any stretch. There was some questionable play calling that I didn't like. That being said, there was just a lot of missed execution. Like it, it was rough. So maybe the biggest thing for the coaches is not play calling. It's just going back to the basics and like, focusing on doing the little things right because that Notre Dame was not doing the little things right. And I think something I mentioned, or I think we mentioned it maybe in our preview of Notre Dame before they even started the year, like our, our, our season preview for Notre Dame was that, that they didn't really have any terrific receivers. We, we knew that, but they had an elite tight end and we thought they had some good, good pieces at running back. Some, at least some, some, yeah. Yeah, like like some some matchup problems for people, and Tyree is was one of them. All, another former five star, and he got five touches in this game. He got yeah. three carries and and, and two um, receptions. Like it feels a week like, after like not having enough to, touches against Ohio State. Well, we complained about it last week, right? We complained about the exact exact same thing last week. Where like we need to be getting this guy the ball more. And and against Marshall, like it really felt like he could have been used a lot, even if even if you option him out of the backfield, like a lot of like like simple running back, like shallow routes, some stuff. Get a quick guy in space and let him make a man miss. Yeah, and see what happens. So, yeah, n- none of it happened. Buckner he did look rattled, um, and I actually felt really sorry for him after that pick six. You could see like how like he was really mad. He was just yeah disgusted with himself, and he. You, I felt sorry for him. Like I'm not a Notre Dame sure. fan. I'm not a Marshall fan. I didn't, it didn't hurt me any, but I felt sorry for Buckner. And then he gets hurt. Um, what just a couple of plays later. And yeah, looks like he will be out for the year and that hurts, but mm-hmm. is okay. So Marcus Freeman, let's just step back for a bit and we'll just scope back a little bit to like overall as, as a whole, as a program, Marcus Freeman, you're three games in now because he did coach the bowl game. Mm-hmm. He's, Owen, Owen three, Owen two this year. I mean, we, we can count only this is his first two true games um, as the leader, but it has not looked good. It's been, it's been a struggle. What are, what do you think? What, what's the, what's the um, instant reaction here? Uh, I, I think it's, so if we're looking at it from a big picture standpoint, like it's way too early to make any kind of judgments on Marcus Freeman. Sure. I, I do think that one of the things we will learn about him is the way he the way he moves forward from this. Because we've seen as a Notre Dame fan growing up my whole life, every Notre Dame coach has always had some big things that they've had to deal with and come through. Brian Kelly was he almost missed a bowl game his first season. And they, they had just a bunch of – there were people literally calling for Brian Kelly to be fired in year one. A lot of that was due to some off-the-field stuff. But it's it's how you react – it's how you kind of bounce back from that. And then Brian Kelly's second year, um, I think in SP+, Plus, like they were the number 10 team in the country or something, like really good, and they went like 8-5. and five. They, they, yeah. they lost to USF that year in one of the more unlike – like that, that – if this felt like it was the first – I felt the same way after this upset in a way that I hadn't felt since USF 2011, 11 years ago. It was that level of bad. And, but Brian Kelly, then his third year, they find they, 
strung some wins together, started winning the games they were supposed to. They made it to the national championship game. They weren't the number two team in the country, but they were clearly figured something out. And yeah. so my way, what I'm saying here is Marcus Freeman is not going to be judged, I don't believe, on he lost to Marshall. We're going to five years from now look back and say, how did Marcus Freeman react to losing to that? Did it did it all go downhill from there and things just fell apart and he never figured it out? Or did he learn from it and start figuring things out? Uh, because we, we've been saying it. So most people that are, that are smart have not been saying, okay, this is a year for Notre Dame to win the national title. We've been saying Marcus Freeman was hired to raise the talent sure. level on the team. Right. This was never going to be the year. Now, it was supposed to be better than this. That's for dang sure. Like, this is a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, the first His first year will almost certainly be viewed as a failure compared to preseason expectations. It will be yes. because they were ranked number five, and there's almost no way you reach that again. Even if you went out, you might not be number five. Agreed. But how how does he bounce back from that? How does he lead these young men? I'm I'm talking we're talking a lot about Notre Dame. I'm I'm sorry. Like I, I just I want to see the reaction. I want to see them come out and play hard the rest of the year. And I want to see if if we go through the year and we see, okay, some things need to change. The offensive line coach, maybe he was not a good hire or whatever. Like everyone thought he was. Harry he stand coming back. Maybe Tommy Reese needs to be nudged to a quarterback coaching job in the NFL or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, and that's another facet of, of this. Like we always hear how smart Tommy Reese is, and I think he is, but there's something to be said for in college. Like sometimes simple is okay. Like let your college players execute simple offense, and sometimes that's the way to go. And I think maybe sometimes it's a li- they ask a little too much from them. I don't know. So, yeah, I, there's a lot to that. I think it's yeah, you have to be really careful as a as a as like there's a okay, there's a lot of coaches that are viewed as super smart dudes, mm-hmm. and oftentimes they end up on the ESPN analyst desk. Because yeah. like they got fired because they they were too smart for their players like it didn't work it, it yeah. has to work like it's a it's a very much a results business and when you put up thirty one points in your first two games of the season that's not a great start like yeah. that's that's really not a great start for your offense so yeah g- gonna need more than that and we will just point out Notre Dame's schedule the rest of the way not a cakewalk right. not a cakewalk they play they play three teams that are still are, well that are currently in the AP top 12. Um, so BYU, Clemson, and USC um, are both mm-hmm. off to flyers to start this year. And, and you have to play all three of those games. And, and that's not, those aren't the only hard ones too. North Carolina, Syracuse looks kind of good right now. Like, yep. yeah, there's some tricky games out there still. And, but in some ways that's almost like, that's good and bad. Like you could, you could lose those games, but say you pick off one of those teams, say you pick off Clemson or USC mm-hmm. and, and suddenly that happens at the end of the year, you're feeling much, much better as you're, yeah, as you're heading into your offseason. and feel like you're on the upswing again. Um, but yeah, like it, it, it very much could go the, the other way too, where you, you get yeah. bombed by a couple of these teams and you're not feeling good at all. So I think, I yeah, think it's that- still out there. No, I, I agree. No, I, I like I'm I just want to say that I I agree like with you completely. It's still it's still out there. It's not it's not career defining for Marcus Freeman. It's not program defining yet for Notre Dame. But it could be this year could be defining for him if some of this continues. If they don't show improvement next week against Cal or the week the week after that against North Carolina. Like it it has to improve. Yeah. 
So I, I do think that just looking forward a little bit in this season specifically, it, anybody that can score an offense is going to give Notre Dame trouble uh, because I do think Notre Dame's defense is good enough to hold anybody under 30. But if you have a really good offense in college football, you're going to score in the 20s, and I'm not positive Notre Dame can do that. Right now they're averaging 15.5 points per game. So I don't know when my team became Northwestern, but here we are. but by the way speaking of teams with just really underperforming offenses this will be a theme um so another question i texted you today was is the south is the uh, sun belt the best conference in the country obviously Mm tongue-in-cheek on that question but we another huge upset notre dame was not even the highest ranked team this week to lose to a sun belt team Um, that honor belongs to texas a&m who lost to uh, the App State team that just lost narrowly to, to North Carolina. And, right. I mean, it's a little bit the same story for AM. Just the offense absolutely couldn't do a thing. They scored 14 points, and half of that was a kick return. Yeah. Think about that. Against a Sun Belt team. Yeah. So, where do they I'm, go the, from here? The time of possession in this game. Do, did you Have you seen the time of possession? I don't totals believe I saw that. Game? App State had the ball for 41 and a half minutes. Ooh. Texas A&M had the ball for a little bit over 18. That, like, it's all you really need to know. You got physically pushed around by, yeah, another, another Sun Belt team. Yet another Sun Belt team. But this is what App State does. Like, App State, it shouldn't surprise us too much, yeah. um, the, the App State side of it. But A&M lost this game because the offense was completely inept. They had nine total first downs. Nine. Yeah. They didn't even have 200 yards total of offense. Yeah. Yeah. 97 yards passing. All the stats are bad. Like there, there are no good stats to, to turn to if you're AM. Haynes King is not the guy. No. Like th- this here, okay. AM has way bigger problems than Notre Dame does. Notre Dame's, uh, it's a first year head coach at Notre Dame. It's, he's just getting his thing going. He's just bringing players in, young quarterback in there, no experience. Jimbo's been there for a while now. Jimbo's recruited well for a while now. This offense has been trash for a while now. Yeah. <laughs> like, the, I mean, other than just handing the ball to A-Chain and, and hoping that, you know, he pops one loose, they didn't have anything. Like, yeah. there was – they had no answers. I, Yeah, this one here is much, much more concerning. Um, yeah, I, I don't really know where they go. With, with this one here, I mean, yeah, Jimbo hasn't had a good offense since really since James Winston went to the NFL. And mm-hmm. we, I, I think we've said that a number of times. Haynes King's tremendously talented. He is not the, like, he's not going to do what Jameis did for you in that offense. Max Johnson, how Max Johnson didn't get the, to see the field here is beyond <laughs> me. I like Max Johnson. Well, you did too. Like, we yeah. both were kind of Max Johnson guys a little bit. Um, he's, he has some experience winning big games. He, he beat Florida, um, there in the swamp in 2020 when they were really good in the, the, the shoe throw game. He had, he led a, led a drive to win a game. Like he has some experience there. Yeah. How, how that, I mean, something must be really off there at, at A&M for, for you not to make a change Can, seeing what you saw. I, that's, that's kind of all I really have like on this game. I don't have much else. It was really, really bad even worse than like your, your first thought is like, well, app state's kind of good. I mean, I could see how they would catch you on an, on, on, yeah. you know, an off week, 
but like you got physically pushed around. I, yeah, I don't understand that how they have like three times as much ball control as you do in time of possession. I'll, I'll never understand that. Yeah. Is there, what, what's the upside for AM this year? Like, is there any way to fix this or do, is it, are you just waiting for December so you can hire a new offensive coordinator? Because I like, I don't know, like, cause I don't think the personnel is really the issue. So it, no. It yeah, seems like it should be able to be fixed, right? But how do you, how do you even go about doing that? Yeah. If you're Jimbo and you're the play caller. <laughs> well, how did you not fix this over the offseason, though? You know what I mean? Like, like this was this is the same problems that they had last year. Like, let's not act like this wasn't an eight and four team last year with a ton of talent. That like you see when it all when it all clicks and when it all works, they can beat they can beat anybody. They beat Alabama last year. Like yeah. they can they can play with anyone. The problem is, like, it's so seldom all works. It's so seldom clicks. Yeah, I th- we talk about schedules, kind of like with Notre Dame. Like, where does this look at for the rest of the year? Mm-hmm. And for okay, so A and M now has to play Miami this week, number thirteen team in the nation. Then it's number ten Arkansas week after that. Then Mississippi State. Then at Alabama. That's I mean, yeah, Saban's going to be out for blood um, in revenge for that one. Ole Miss is now ranked twentieth. Florida's ranked eighteenth. You play a lot of really, really good football teams from here. Like, we're just getting started, boy. <laughs> like, <laughs> this could be really interesting. A bunch of teams that find out, too, that, hey, we're going to sit down on you. We're going to take away the running game. Beat us. Beat us over the top. Have your quarter. Your quarterback's going to have to throw for 300 yards to beat it, to, to, to beat some of these teams. I don't know if, I don't know if AM can do it. I, I hate to sound, yeah, just so drastic about it, but. It was. It's tough to see positives after a game like that. I hear you. Yeah. It, it, I don't. I think this might have to be a situation where the AD steps in in the off season and says, "Hey, Jimbo, we're paying you a ton of money. We need you to just be the head coach right. and uh, hire an actual offensive coordinator to call the plays." Right. Uh, short you, of you that, people, I don't know what you could do. You have people like Joe Brady out there. You know, like yeah. I think Joe Brady. Joe Brady just got fired last off season, and he is now like a quarterbacks coach in the NFL. That guy would gladly come back to college if you would just give him the keys to an offense. And like, yeah. imagine what what that would do. Yeah, or, or look at what he did with 2019 LSU, and like, imagine what he could do with with this with this batch of receivers because they have good receivers, they have weapons. Like mm-hmm. Evan Stewart's a really good player. Um, Nia Smith. We, we talk about H. Anaya Smith, A chain mm-hmm. still there. Like they have some really like some matchup nightmares, and yeah, just not in good situations right now. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about the huge noon game. Alabama twenty, Texas nineteen. We both had Alabama in our locks for the week. Um, Texas came and fought, man. I don't know what happened there, but Alabama looked kind of lost on offense. I thought, and Quinn Ewers was balling out until he got hurt towards the end of the first quarter. Hudson Card came in and was limping around on one leg, um, and this came down an Alabama field goal at the end. What what did you think about this game? Because it was weird. <laughs> um, I I one thing I do. It's funny. Okay, this is funny when Alabama goes and plays a Big Twelve team, and then the Big Twelve teams like mad because like they're getting all the calls and they talk about it on Fox. They're getting all the calls. Alabama's getting all the calls. Like we're just Georgia fans sitting over here. Like no kidding. Like where have you been the last 15 years? Of course they get all the calls. No, you, yeah. I don't really want to hear it either from like Alabama fans. 
we talked, we heard a lot about injuries and like if they hadn't been injured in the title game last year, that Alabama was, was actually the better team and should have won the game had the receivers not went down. Texas would have absolutely won this game had Quinn Ewers not get gotten hurt there in the first quarter. He was playing really, really well. He was. Um, yeah, it was, that was, that's tough to watch. I don't know. Has there been any information on how long it looked like his, his injury was, I mean, borderline season ending. I don't know if that's true or not. I have the one heard. thing I saw said two to three weeks. The other thing I saw said four to six weeks. So, okay. Not, not the whole many. year, but for a little while yet. Right. So they like Texas had some weapons. I want to say um, like Xavier worthy is that's a, was a matchup. He's a matchup problem for anybody in the nation, mm-hmm. like anybody in the nation, that guy was getting open on the regular yeah. and to Texas is their, their, their DBs. Like they, like their whole yeah. defense, really, their whole defense was exceptional. They gave up the one mm-hmm. long run to McClellan there early. That was pretty much it until Bryce Young just decided to put the team on his back and kind of Jason Bourne his way to a to a win, which like he can do because it was basically Auburn last year. I mean, yeah, no, it's kind it's of like the same. Bryce thing. Young just said, "I got this, guys. No one else can yeah. do it. I'll do it myself." <laughs> that's pretty much what he did. Like that's really impressive. But I overall Texas. There are no moral victories, but if there were moral victories, this should be one for Texas. Yeah. Um, you don't get points for playing Alabama close. Just ask Florida from last year. Uh, Dan Mullen, also not coaching football, also on an analyst desk now. But, yeah, you don't get points for playing Alabama close. But Texas but you should might have get recruits. <laughs> you, well, you might. Yeah. Arch Manning. Like, imagine the Arch Manning sweepstakes a little bit. Mm. Arch just commits to Texas. If Alabama comes to town and just throttles you by five touchdowns, like I'm not saying Arch would decommit. I'm not saying any of that, but some of maybe some of the guys that Arch is trying to bring along with him might. Yeah. So yeah, it, but now Texas is like, I hate to say Texas is back. We're not going to say Texas is back. (laughs) It's been said way too much, but they could be back. Like there's a chance Texas is actually back. So yeah, you're, Impressed really with Texas overall, especially the defense um, sucks for Quinn Ewers. I think, I mean, everyone kind of says the same thing about that. Like it really sucks for Quinn Ewers. It, it does that they would have yeah. won that game with him in there. Um, I have no questions about that. So yeah, I, I don't know. Alabama's receivers. Do we want to talk about Alabama's lack of receivers? Because it's, it's crazy. They, they, Ja'Cory Brooks is the one guy that, made some plays finally in the fourth quarter when they started throwing to him where it seemed like he was open most of the time in the fourth quarter, mm-hmm. but so much of the game, they, they weren't getting open. And I wonder how much of that is the receivers or here's another question I have for you. Does Bill O'Brien just really suck as a coach? Well, that's been floated out there as well. <laughs> I, I've, I've heard that, that going around a lot that Bill O'Brien really is not that good. Jameer Gibbs is by far their next best weapon behind oh, Bryce yeah. on offense. Like not even close. He's probably their best receiver. Like if yeah. you line him up, well, he was their leading receiver in this game. Um, At one Trey point, Holt, he had seven catches and none of the receivers had more than one. Yeah. Yeah. Jermaine Burton, uh, they're transferring from Georgia. I think he had two for 10 yards. I, that's not funny. I'm not laughing. You won't <laughs> catch me laughing at that, but whatever. No, no big deal. It sucks for him. Treshawn Holden had a decent game, I think, but mm-hmm. there, there is no, there is no Mechie and Jamison Williams on that roster right now, or at least no one that's, that's there currently. So 
yeah, it's it's going to be it's going to be interesting. I I think really what kind of what I thought of when as this game was going on that this is actually kind of who Alabama was last year. A little bit. But we forgot it. We we forgot about it because they came and they had the really good game against Georgia in the SEC championship and scored a lot of points against a historic defense. Mm-hmm. But we don't we forget about the Iron Bowl from last year where they really sucked on offense. We forget about the LSU game that they could have lost, the Florida game that they could have lost. There there was there was a number of games in there that are that are one score games late that they yeah they absolutely could have lost and the offense looked out of rhythm last year even. And Bryce Young, he's yeah, he's the ultimate just wallpaper guy. He can just he can just wallpaper over all the holes in your offense. But th- it kind of showed a little bit until the end when 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 Young got it together and and yeah decided I'm just going to win. But mm-hmm. they have they have they have issues. They are they were viewed as the unquestioned number one coming into this year. Um, and yeah, I would say that they're definitely not the most complete team right now. Will Anderson looked out of his element in the first half. He had four penalties, I believe. I think three offsides and one just ridiculous personal foul after the play was over. It, it was like, mm-hmm. I, I, this is the guy that we've all been saying is the best player in the country. And it looked like the moment was like too big for him or something, which I'm not saying that's what happened. It just, he was not, it, it was like he was mentally not there. <laughs> and then I, I don't know if you saw after the game, um, I think uh, he, while he was running out to shake hands, Saban, Saban saw one of his players doing the horns down and, and he said, you know, don't yeah. do that S word. And yeah. And then after the game, like when they were walking out of the, out of the stadium, you had Bama players flashing horns down to the Texas fans. It's like, guys, you were supposed to win this game by three touchdowns. Yeah. You're, you won by one. You got lucky because Quinn Ewers got hurt and now you're flashing horns down. Like, have a little like, what what's the word like, self awareness? <laughs> like yeah. guys, you you you're not automatically just going to be the best team. Like you're not automatically going to win the title this year. You actually, <laughs> the, I don't know. I think maybe there's maybe a little bit of that rat poison that Saban likes to talk about, where maybe they've rat been reading poison. their. Yeah, I don't know. I it, it. I do think that Alabama in three months will be a lot better than they are now. I'm just surprised that they're not better now than they showed on Saturday. Yeah, we we had anointed them as the title favorite in the offseason and that's not just us. I feel like almost everyone did. Yeah. And and why why wouldn't you? You have the best two players in all of college football coming back with the greatest coach of all time. Like, yeah, why wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. But they have issues. Like there is large concerns and most of it most of it's on the offense. Like Will Anderson, he he did look a little out of his element. But in the fourth quarter, like where was he? He was he was sacking quarterback. Sure. Um, just just like like what we thought he would. So in yeah, mm-hmm. little maybe a little rattle in the first half. Definitely not at all. Um, later on in the game, they only gave up 19 points. Their defense is fine. Not really concerned about the defense. The offense and the lack of receivers is a real problem going forward. Um, yeah, just seeing how how that all pans out will be interesting. Alabama, another team who has a lot of difficult games still coming up. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of other Texases, if you will, on Alabama's schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, but hey, in the end, they're two and zero, oh, and the numbers that really matter, they are two and zero, and yeah, it, on a collision course with Georgia um, in that SEC championship again. Sure. 
Let's talk about the Kentucky-Florida game just a little bit. So this was kind of hyped as the big, biggest game of the week, in, in, by, by a lot of people's opinion. Um, Kentucky goes to the Swamp and beats Florida 26-16. to Florida actually looked like the better team, I would argue, for a good chunk of this game. And then they made a few mistakes, and Kentucky kind of – they're sort of that team on thri- that thrives on other teams making the mistake and them, and them just being solid. Like that's sort of the way I view Kentucky in a lot of ways. And that, that worked out for them in this game. They were the more mature, mistake-free team, and that eventually worked out. Um, Anthony Richardson was looked pretty good, but he also made some mistakes, had, had a big interception, had a big fumble. Um, anything major to take away from this game? Uh, I wouldn't say that Anthony Richardson even looked pretty good. Um, okay. <laughs> like this, this, yeah, it was, he was just bad. This, this was my favorite game of the week. I love <laughs> Kentucky, Florida. I am here for all of it. Um, I mean, I had that in like in my games to watch from last week, yep. Kentucky, Florida was number one. Um, I, I enjoy everything about this game. I think it's, yeah, it's Kentucky. You want to talk about rat poison? I think they were sitting there. Kentucky was sitting there just getting, I mean, they, they were pretty much told that, Florida was going to roll over them because Florida had beaten a really physical Utah team the, the week before and was going to roll over Kentucky again. And we saw like Kentucky was the better football team. Like they, th- this was not, this yep. wasn't fluky. This wasn't an accident. Kentucky completely shut down Anthony Richardson, who's tremendously talented, mm-hmm. but they almost rendered him ineffective. Two interceptions, no touchdowns for Richardson. One was a pick six. One of his picks um, went back for a touchdown. Yes, they completely stifled them, um, especially in the second half. There were there were zero answers um, for for Florida. It leaves Florida really kind of searching here, doing a little bit of soul searching going forward. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, hats off to Kentucky. I think Levis was okay. He was good enough. Did what needed to be done, and he made a couple of really big throws. And the defense picked him up from there on. I thought it was really yeah. a complete performance from Kentucky. Yeah, if you're looking for a few positives for Florida, I did think that most of the mistakes Richardson made seemed like they were correctable mistakes. Um, he doesn't look completely comfortable just as a quarterback yet, and I think that some of the mistakes he made, it was, you know, maybe take a little bit off of this throw, maybe read this a little bit better, but it wasn't like – it wasn't a lack of talent or ineptitude or anything like that. I think that eventually he will be a very good quarterback. He needs some more experience, I think. So just Florida, like long-term, I think they have a good quarterback, but they're not they're not in a place yet where they're going to win all of these toss-up games. Well, I I, I wouldn't necessarily blame it on Richardson, just him. I think a lot sure. of it was on play, play calling for me. That's what kind of popped out. That Like Richardson, he's he's a dual threat. Like mm-hmm. you shouldn't be asking him to, he, he threw the ball 35 times in this game. He shouldn't be throwing the ball that much against this defense. There should be more. He should have, he only had six, six rushes for four yards. He needs to have at least 12, maybe 15 against this defense. There was no, there wasn't really any lateral motion, not much zone reads, very few. Um, yeah. Quick screens to, to receivers like ETN um, Travis's uh, mm-hmm. brother, Travis's brother Trevor, Trevor yeah, yeah. was a freshman, had a, had a really good game, um, yeah. had a touchdown in this game. And he looked like a weapon. Like you need to be getting that guy out in space, just like his brother used to do for Clemson. Um, yeah. Screens. There was not enough screens. I not enough swing passes. I, I, I would blame a lot of that on offensive play calling. I think 
the the ineptitude there. He was asked to, to try to drop back and and just throw an absolute missile over the middle time after time after time. Hmm. And yeah, that's not really his game, not yet. He has the talent for it, there's no doubt. But yeah, there, there needed to be um, a couple of more easy plays. Like he didn't have enough easy instinctual plays um, where you get him out on the edge, rollouts, play actions, um, and, and let Richardson be the athlete. He was the best athlete on the field, and he normally is when he plays. And he wasn't, he was forced to be in the pocket too much. And part of that's Kentucky's defensive coaching, no doubt. But I think a, a large part of it is Florida's play calling on offense, too. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Uh, one of the big games of the week was supposed to be Tennessee and Pitt. I don't know that you have a, we have a ton to talk about there. Um, Tennessee did beat Pitt 34 to 27 in overtime. Mm-hmm. Um, seemed like it kind of went about how we thought it would. <laughs> Is that fair? <laughs> yeah. No, pretty much. Other than Tennessee didn't start hot. Like True. Tennessee normally, normally starts just like scalding hot and they like run over everyone in the first quarter. They did not do that. Um, in this game at all. In fact, they trailed um, at the end of the first, which is mind boggling. Like they never trail. <laughs> they, yeah. Tennessee, Tennessee could go with anybody for the first quarter. Like, like going back to last year, they mm-hmm. led, I think Georgia at the end of the first quarter uh, a year ago. I think it was really good to Tennessee, to see Tennessee win a game a different way in mm-hmm. overtime. Sure. I'm um, on the road. Um, yeah. Big time throws from hooker. He's a stud. He really is. Uh, Hennon hooker is an, he's, he's a ball player. Um, yeah. So yeah, and the, he had the game-winning touchdown there um, to Cedric Tillman in mm-hmm. in overtime to to win that game. So yeah, cre- we don't want to get into this game too much. Credit to them. Um, Pitt, I I don't really know other than their running back who really balled out. I don't even can't even really say his name that well. Like he played like really really well. He had 150 yards and touchdown. They did. There was not really that many positives for Pittsburgh. <laughs> like it didn't feel like they were. They were ranked number seventeen at the time of the game. They did not feel like they were the seventeenth best team in the nation. I would say that they lost Keaton Slovis pretty early to injury, and and I was impressed by the way they still hung around after that. I do right. think that maybe Slovis is not insanely good. Like maybe that there's not a huge drop off there from him to the backup. Um, okay. I don't know. So read into that what you will, but we'll learn more about Pitt going forward. Yeah, with, with both these teams, really, both teams, we'll learn yeah. more. Yeah, both of these teams, their 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 biggest games are ahead of them still. So yep. yeah, Tennessee, this is just warm ups for Tennessee and for Pitt. Mm-hmm. There's several other games here we should touch on a little bit. So speaking of high profile teams with bad offenses, Iowa is upset by Iowa State. Finally, Matt Campbell gets his win in El Asico, ten to seven. Just a <laughs> stunningly perfect Iowa Iowa State game. I don't know that we even have to talk about it for more than 20 seconds, but isn't, isn't that just about how you expected this to go? <laughs> what, what did you call? what did you call the game? So a lot of people refer to it as El Asico. Oh, okay. Like the El, El Clasico is Real versus uh, it's Real Madrid versus Barcelona. And this is okay. Yeah. The terrific offenses. Hey, they actually scored a real touchdown. And as someone who was betting on this game and had had Iowa State winning. This was one of my locks of the week, right? I had Iowa State yeah. covering at least. It was very concerning. 
Iowa yeah. blocked a punt, yeah. and in the most Iowa way possible, they immediately have a touchdown. It's like, are you kidding? Of course, of course, of course. I bet on Iowa. I bet on Iowa, and they will. They will find a way. Just they're gonna make something work. They're gonna conjure up a touchdown. Like you don't don't even know how they did it, but somehow they got a touchdown early on, and I was scared. But yes, thank the Lord, Iowa State coming through. Matt Campbell finally gets a win. At Kinnick, by the way, he he doesn't mm-hmm. do it at home. He goes on the road to a harsh environment, wins on the road at Iowa. Um, we can just say that Iowa's offense, Iowa State's Iowa State's offense isn't good, but Iowa's offense is worse. So like, Iowa's bad. offense is really not good. Oh, at it, it it's painful to watch. I they they might honestly lose. I, I, I don't want to speculate on their record right now. I'm just saying they have not played well in offense yet, and they haven't even come close. So if you have a pulse on offense, you could beat Iowa. They're, just saying. Yeah, they, they, had, they had 11 first downs. It was a Texas A&M stat line, really. They had 11 first downs, um, three for 11 on third down, and they had 150 yards total. Iowa State more than doubled them um, in total yards. So, mm-hmm. yeah, Iowa State absolutely pummels Iowa 10-7. to 7. We can say that. Yep. So the other favorite in the uh, Big Ten West is Wisconsin, and they got upset by Washington State on Saturday, yes. seventeen to fourteen. I was not able to watch hardly any of this game. Did you get get any eyes on this? Any thoughts on this? Almost none. Yeah, I'm with you. Almost zero. Um, like we were expecting, Graham Mertz to win. He his stat line wasn't bad. I will say he mm-hmm. like threw for two twenty seven, two touchdowns, only one pick. Like 14 points against Washington State. Like, yeah, again, I had other games going on at this time, was not able to – this was not my my game of choice um, by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. But, like, Wisconsin and Iowa both going down. And these are non-conference losses, which helps a lot. Sure. But, like, those are the those are the two, the two teams that you thought would win in the West, in the Big Ten. And I think your preseason pick was Minnesota, yeah. which I'll just say looking a little bit better right uh-huh. now. Um, that looks better by the week. So yeah, that's about all we really, or about all I have on this game at least. Yeah, I don't have much either. I, Minnesota beat Western Illinois sixty-two to ten. Whatever, it's Western Illinois. But I will say if they if they have an offense capable of putting up sixty-two points, they're going to beat Wisconsin and Iowa because I feel like they both kind of struggle with the same thing. It's just, that's yeah. just putting up points. <laughs> yes, um, it's the same team. Yeah, basically. Um, let's see. What else should we mention just quick? Uh, did you get any eyes on Arkansas, South Carolina? 44 to 30 win there for Arkansas. I did. I watched quite a bit of that. I think takeaway there is Arkansas runs the ball exceptionally well. Almost 300 yes. yards and five touchdowns rushing. Mm-hmm. 300 yards rushing and five touchdowns against an SEC front. That's hard to do. I don't care if it's against Vanderbilt in the SEC. That is difficult to do against an SEC team in conference play. Um, yeah, Arkansas's offense confirmed to be really, really good. It's we, we talk about it all the time. We love their offense. Me and you both do KJ mm-hmm. Jefferson. He's efficient. He really is 18 yeah. to 21. That's efficient. Takes care of the ball, no picks. And you've got some running backs They're They're running the ball at you from all angles. You don't know how they're going to be running the ball at you next. Um, their receivers are pretty good. Their transfers in Hazelwood, Jaden Hazelwood, Matt Landers, um, both two guys that transfer in playmakers at receiver so interesting this is going to be a really fun team going forward arkansas can play with anybody in the sec west alabama included yes uh so we were huge on the byu baylor matchup um it was 
it was a late late night game. BYU wins in overtime, twenty six to twenty. Um, in a lot of ways, lived up to the hype, just as far as kind of a slugfest between two teams, two really good teams. Um, were you able to watch any of this? You're on the East Coast, so I imagine it was a little bit difficult for you. <laughs> yeah, I ca- I caught um, a bit of it. I did not watch through the end. I will admit, by the yeah. time it gets into fourth quarter and the overtimes, it was like I'm just done. The amount of missed kicks. Um, oh man was was staggering just an incredible amount of of missed not not even difficult kicks like kind of halfway chip shots um kind of saw that yesterday in the nfl as well like just like kicks that were just simple that were missed Mm -hmm. um yeah byu like it's all ahead of byu going forward this is a revenge game by the way for them they got they were able to come back and beat baylor Mm -hmm. and i know they they put a lot of pride into that they go to Eugene this week and play Oregon, a game that we'll talk about more in just a little bit. BYU is like they're sneaky. BYU is physical up front, man. They will they will really yeah. try to run the ball, but they have a good quarterback. Like Jaron Hall is throwing the ball really well right now. So yeah, gonna be really fun going forward. You get to see them also play Notre Dame um, this year as well. Like they have some some really good games coming up. Gonna be interesting. Yep. Uh, USC 41, Stanford 28. USC, their first five possessions in the first half were all touchdowns. Faded a little bit in the second half um, offensive-wise, but it felt like they just kind of put it in cruise control. Um, Is this your Pac-12 favorite at this point? I think it has to be. I mean, (laughs) I'm not the SEC guy. And, in fact, in some of our SEC – sorry, I'm not the USC guy. Um, In some of our preseason videos, I was – like there were some comments that like Ashton's hatred of the Trojans is just dripping. You can just feel it. And like, I do, I do want to say this was one of my locks of the week. USC was supposed to cover. They did cover. Mm-hmm. I mean, somehow like they tried to give that away so badly there at the end. That was scary, <laughs> but they were able, they were able to, they have an offense. Like they can beat Oregon. They can beat Utah. Utah didn't look great against Florida. They, they can beat teams with this offense. They do, they do give up points. It's it, kind of what we talked about. It's everything that we talked about. They were going to give up points. They're going to give up a lot of rushing yards. They're like, there's going to be some teams that are going to be able to come in and ball control them to death and just yep. not let Caleb Williams get on the field. But there is no doubt that Jordan Addison and Caleb Williams, that combination is dynamite. Like it is every single week. It's going to be really tough to stop if you get in a track meet with the Trojans this year. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, Michigan 56, Hawaii 10, and then we hear the the news now that J.J. McCarthy has won that starting job going forward. Fair to say this worked out about exactly how the Michigan um, staff was hoping it would. (laughs) Yeah, very fair to say. I mean, (laughs) McCarthy was the guy. He was always going to be the guy. I think they just wanted him to prove it. Um, McCarthy finishes the day 11 of 12, 229 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. I mean, almost a perfect day at the office um, from a quarterback standpoint. This was this was absolutely what the coaches wanted to happen and what the fan base wanted to happen. Um, yeah, feel sorry for McNamara a bit. That's a little unfortunate, but the ceiling's definitely higher with McCarthy. And Michigan looks good. I don't know if you've I don't know if you've noticed in the first couple of games they haven't played anyone, but they have really looked good. Yep. Um, there's hey, there's other teams that are playing no ones and struggle with them. I mean, just ask Texas A&M. So. Um, didn't mean to call App State a no one. That's not really fair. App State's much better than Hawaii, but you at least you took care of business. That's what yeah. you have to do. You have to show up and take care of business. Michigan has done that. 
um, yeah, and there's a lot of schools that can't say the same. Mm -hmm. Just a fun little what if for you, not fun for me so much, but uh, several years ago, Tommy Reese did choose Tyler Buckner over JJ McCarthy in that recruiting class. So, did he really? yes, he did. Ooh. Yeah. Who's was I was was Buckner a five star? I thought he was only a he, four. He was a five star for a while, and then he missed his entire. I'm trying to think. Uh, he missed his sophomore year due to injury, and then his junior year he had ridiculous numbers, better numbers than McCarthy by far, and then he didn't have a senior year in high school because of COVID. California moved their season to the spring, and he was an early enrollee. So. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, also, he there was video. There's been videos circulating of Buckner as throwing the ball in high school, and he just looked a lot more natural. And then he's he he changed <laughs> he changed his throwing motion before he ever got to Notre Dame, like tweaked it, whatever. And it I don't know. He hasn't been the same since. So mm. I don't know if that was one of those infamous quarterback coaches that just as often seem to ruin high school quarterbacks is help them out. I don't know, but yeah. Yeah. Um, we should talk a little bit, just uh, Georgia Southern 45, Nebraska 42 play Helton beats Scott Frost and Scott Frost has now been fired. Um, if they had waited until October 1st, they would have saved like $7 million or something, but that's apparently how bad this is. They finally, they just said enough is enough. The Scott Frost era is over at Nebraska. Just looking back on it a little bit, like, are you shocked? At, are you as shocked as I am that this was just as horrible? At, like this went so badly compared to like what yeah. we thought it would be. Yeah, I don't know how I'm shocked. I th I think the Nebraska program is not where the Nebraska boosters think that it is. I think in their mind, they're kind of what Georgia was before Kirby Smart showed up. Like they're just primed, and they just need one guy to get them over the hump. They're 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 a number of steps below that. Like Nebraska's a little ways out. They haven't been recruiting well. Um, that's I mean that's not a surprise. They had a whole bunch of transfers in this year, right? Trying this was mm. Frost trying to save his job and everything else to fire him. I I don't understand the timing of the firing. There, he's three games into this year. If you were this close to it, you should have fired him last year. Like they were three and nine last year, and I know it was close, and they're the best three and nine team in the history of college football we all heard that <laughs> but like if you were this close you're three games into this year this is a wasted year like like well here's yeah. what i don't understand you're three games into a year are you just having like, just going to have someone take over for the rest of the year are you going to try to go yeah. ahead and hire someone now like you like th that guy's not going to leave his team to come coach your team in the middle of a year probably like i I, do, I don't understand the timing i guess i understand that firing scott frost i'm not surprised by that i have like why not at least wait a couple of more weeks and save yourself millions of dollars that you can pay and get a better coach, like get a higher paid coach or spend it on coaching, like, like assistant coaches. Like we know that that's gold. Just ask how Arkansas did it. You know, like yeah. that works out really well when you go get some good assistance. It's just dumb. It's just dumb. I think I don't, I don't understand the the timing of it at all. I wonder if maybe they had like kind of a backroom deal with, with Frost, like say, Hey, we're going to fire you on October 1st when your buyout drops. You want to just wave that um, now and, and we'll just be out, be on your way. <laughs> so you don't have to coach the next three weeks or whatever. I don't know. That's just well, yeah. I, I th rampant speculation on my part. <laughs> I thought maybe like they were scared that he might win a couple of games and then not be able to fire him. Like that was my <laughs> thought. Like he might, dang, he might come out and win like the next two. And then like, 
then what do we do? Because like the feelings are better, you know? Yeah, they didn't really want him to upset anyone. What the, that's what they really didn't need was him to like pick off like Iowa or someone like that. We got Oklahoma this yeah. week. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, so just kind of reading some of the other scores. Friday night, Louisville beat UCF twenty to fourteen. Saturday, Wake Forest beat Vanderbilt forty five to twenty five. Kansas State beat Mizzou forty to twelve. Oof, oof. Yeah. Uh, Texas Tech beat Houston thirty three to thirty. Kansas beats West Virginia 55 to 42 in overtime. Oklahoma State beat Arizona State 34 to 17. Virginia Tech beat Boston College 27 to 10 in kind of a sad bowl. (laughs) Um, Oregon State beat Fresno State 35 to 32. They were actually underdog there, I believe. Last play of the game on that one. Yeah. 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 Mississippi State beat Arizona 39 to 17. That was a game that. That game ended at like 3 a.m. 3 a. my time. It was incredible. Yeah. It so was I, I saw not even a play of that game. The, some of the right. things that, yeah, I Wake Forest being able to pop back as soon as Sam Hartman comes back mm-hmm. and be instantly like Vanderbilt's actually a fairly good team this year, and you beat them by 20 points. I thought that was actually impressive. I thought that was yeah. a really good bounce back. Happy to see him back playing. Good feels there. Um, yeah. Other than that, I mean, not a whole, not a whole lot else. Your Oregon State darling pick for this year, Oregon State, one of your darlings. Hey, big win, big win. Fresno yeah. State's a good, a good program, and you beat them on the last play of the game. Huge win. That probably sets them up to go over this year. Like, props yeah. to you for for being all over that. Yeah, I uh, felt good about that. Also, felt good about Kansas State. Um, Adrian Martinez puts up 40 points on an SEC team. <laughs> I didn't see, didn't see it coming. Did not see that one coming. And, and how could I have seen that one coming? That one made no sense to me um, just at all. M- Missouri, by the way, is really bad. Yeah, like Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt is probably better than Missouri. Like I'm going to go ahead and say that now. They got a chance. Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt could absolutely beat Missouri this year. Just I'm just going to go ahead and call that. There you go. Okay. Um, just to recap a few, just real quick. I'll recap our locks from last week. You had Notre Dame minus 25. You had, uh, I'm sorry. I, Notre Dame was minus 20. Yeah. Notre, okay. Notre Dame minus 20 and a half. I think. Yeah. Um, I had, I had USC covering nine, which they, which they did. Um, I, I was able to hit on the Iowa state, Iowa state getting three and a half. Yeah. Um, they were plus we'll three and a half. Yep. So USC and Iowa State were your wins. Your losses were Notre Dame and then Oklahoma minus 33 and a half, which was close. Was a, it was just was a yeah. bummer. Yeah. My locks last week. So my wins, you, I also had USC minus nine. I had Oklahoma State minus 11 and Oregon State minus one. So I had three wins. I also had three losses out at Alabama minus 20, Notre Dame minus 20 and a half. And I had Miami minus 25 and a half. Um, they let Southern Miss hang around a little bit too long. They almost beat them by that much, but not quite. And then my, I had one push, and that was North Carolina minus seven. Gotcha. So what are, 500 what are our for both of us. Okay, so that, what are our records for the year? That would put you at six and two. Okay. And I am now eight, seven, and one. Oh, wow. Okay. Gotcha. Not so if you're, if, you're betting, if you're betting with us, you're making money. How about you're that? You right. can say that. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Okay. Let's move into week three. So okay. it's always more fun to talk about future football than my own team getting stomped in week two. So let's <laughs> <laughs> starts Friday night. Florida state is at Louisville. Um, I, I'm just going to say it. I feel like I have 
little to no idea what's going to happen here, but I do think that this is probably a game that leans more towards Florida State than we would have thought in the offseason. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah, agreed. I, I also have zero idea of what's going to happen there. <laughs> sure. Saturday, Oklahoma is at Nebraska. Just mentioned that a little bit ago. Obviously, this is Scott Frost now gone. So this was supposed to be a huge game. Does Nebraska, like, find a way to come together now that their coach is gone and make it tough and win by one score, lose by one score again? Or is this just a boat racing? See, we don't know. That's so hard. We don't know. We don't know what the – it's a new coach. Like, are their players just going to quit? Like, or maybe <laughs> maybe they had already quit, and maybe, they're not, maybe now they're going to come back. Like, like you always, you always hear that when there's a coach that he's about to get fired in the NFL, when the coach goes ahead and gets fired and you get a new guy, the next week, the players are better. Like they cover the spread. It just, that seems to always be the side that it's on. I I have no idea what's going to happen. I don't know like the dynamics of the locker room. And unless you have knowledge of how Nebraska's locker room is taking this, you don't really know what side to bet here. Like you, it's going to be, it could be entertaining. That line is is going down, by the way. Oklahoma's only an 11, uh, 11 or 11 and a half point favorite. It's so low. Like that's way <laughs> Oklahoma has been good. They've, they've, they've hammered the teams they're supposed to play or are supposed to hammer rather. And Nebraska has been, they just lost to Georgia Southern. Like, yeah, like at home. So I know it's a, it's a home game and I'm sure that like the crowd will be going bonkers there in Lincoln, Nebraska, but yeah, 11 and a half is suspicious. That number there is suspiciously low. We'll say. Sure. Number one, Georgia at South Carolina. Any any thoughts here? Like, I think we all kind of know what to expect here, but what are you yeah. looking for as a Georgia fan in this game? Well, South Carolina can't stop the run. Like they just yeah. showed that they <laughs> gave up they they gave up five rushing touchdowns to Arkansas. Georgia has a really really good offensive line mm-hmm. and is going to try to just do the same thing again. I don't think this one will be that close. I don't like, yeah. there, I mean, there's a, there's a chance, but Georgia's looked as impressive as anyone to start out the year. Um, yeah. If you feel sorry for Arkansas, you go like, you just get pretty much just playing just road graders of teams, like offensive lines to just come and just pave the way. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I see, I see probably more of that happening this week. Yep. Cal is at Notre Dame. Um, I mentioned it just because, I don't know if you hate Notre Dame and you want to see them lose, like maybe they lose another close game. I doubt it, but <laughs> it could happen. You never know. <laughs> What's the line on that? What's the line? Uh, I believe it's been moving. Let me check to see what we're at right now. I'm sorry. As I look this up real quick. Uh, looks like Notre Dame minus 10 and a half. Oh, wow. The disrespect, the disrespect is high right is now. Is it though? Yeah. I, well, yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. I, I would be leaning, I would be leaning um, Notre Dame in that, but yeah, again, I would have leaning Notre Dame last week. So what I, I think I would too, because I think Cal is pretty terrible. The one thing Cal generally does pretty well under Justin Wilcox is play defense. So there's a chance that yeah, Drew Pine could have two interceptions. One could be a pick six and, yeah, you could you could have some weird seventeen to thirteen type of ball game. Don't don't write it off. It it could happen. Okay. Um, in more fun football, um, just because the one team actually plays offense, Ole Miss is at Georgia Tech. Yes. Um, don't know. That there's a whole lot to talk about there, but it does feel like there's it's at least somewhat notable. And if for nothing else, it gives us a bit of a measuring stick for both teams. I I think there's been some debate about how good Ole Miss is this year. Jackson Dart is improving. 
Like mm-hmm. he he's getting better. I think settling in um, to that offense, and we know Kiffin has it. It's it, all his offenses are very quarterback friendly. Um, yeah, I, I it's it's going to be entertaining just to see how Jackson Dart like Dart could he could put up legit Heisman numbers in that offense if everything. Yeah, if everyone stays healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think just keeping an eye out on that old miss offense is probably the thing that you need to do the most. Sure. Okay. Penn State is at Auburn. Penn State a three point favorite. <sighs> Any idea what's gonna happen in this game? <laughs> <laughs> it's Auburn. Auburn's one of my darlings <laughs> for the year. And and they're two and oh, and like man, they were so bad. Like they trailed San Jose State for large sections of that football game. Penn State has a really good defense. It's it's in Auburn, which I think the crowd's going to be going bananas, nationally televised game. Literally anything could happen here. Yeah. Literally anything. Like, if you're betting money, this is like just a roulette. Just, it's absolutely a roulette wheel. You might yeah. win. You might not. But if you do win, don't act like there's skill involved here because yeah. you do not know what's going on with this Auburn football team right now, which is kind of the fun. That's kind of why I had them as one of the darlings. Because it's they're they're more talented than you think, and it could be really entertaining. Yeah, if you are betting on this game, you need to take a long, hard look in the mirror and just yeah. reevaluate <laughs> your life choices. You're a degenerate. If you're if you're really <laughs> betting on this one, you are confirmed a degenerate. Yes. Okay. Uh, so BYU has a lot of good games this year. This has kind of been a talking point for us in the in the off season. They go to Oregon this yeah. Saturday. Oregon is a three and a half point favorite. Makes no sense. Does, yeah. Shouldn't it be switched around? Makes that that makes th- this line makes zero sense at all. I understand Oregon; it's a home game for Oregon, but Oregon got beat up by Georgia, like completely beat up by a physical football team. BYU is also a physical football team. Like, yeah, yeah. I I don't understand the the line here. Vegas is seeing things that I'm not seeing. It's again, we talk about suspicious lines. This is one of those. It's a line that's it's enough in one direction that like it feels like like Vegas sees something that we don't. So maybe Oregon is the side. It's definitely the side that Vegas is on. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, just keeping an eye on that one. It's over. It's it's over three. It's three and a half. Like yeah. you can lose. Yeah, you can. Yeah, I don't understand how it's so high, but I'd, I'd hate to I'd hate to have it be that high and still be betting Oregon but Oregon's probably the play here. Like I'm kind of leaning that direction right now. Um, I yeah, hate betting on Bo Nix. Absolutely hate <laughs> betting on Bo Nix, but I might be doing it. Okay. So this game probably would have been a little more notable in the off season. Liberty at Wake Forest. Sam Hartman's back. Wake Forest seems to be basically Wake Forest the last year. Liberty in the meantime, lost their quarterback. So yeah. Any reason to at least check the score on this one? The the thing that I thought was really interesting is there's there's a chance that um, Hugh Freeze gets some Nebraska hype like like who's going to be the coach at Nebraska oh, yeah. now? I've heard his name floated already. Could make um, sense if he absolutely yeah right he comes out hey they'll sell their soul for a quick result and we know <laughs> Hugh Freeze he will also do the same so yeah that that could be it could be interesting say he gets beat up bad by Wake Forest and decides hey you know what, I can go play in the Big Ten um, and take my cool offensive ideas out there. So what you're saying is if he found a way to beat Wake Forest, that might help his chances. Uh, well, I mean, I think <laughs> I, I, I think it's more the other way around. I think Nebraska would take him if he would 
have them. Sure. Uh, more than, yeah, more than Makes the reverse sense. way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we have an interesting, to say the least, SEC matchup. Mississippi State is at LSU, 6 o'clock yeah. Saturday night. Mississippi State, a one-and-a-half or two-point favorite. Kind of feels like we have no idea what to expect yet again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like no. you have a read on this game? No, no, not really. It's, it's another one of these games where LSU is very similar to Auburn. We don't know. We absolutely yeah. don't know what to expect. LSU, after the debacle that was the Florida State loss, the absolute debacle, they come out and hammer Southern. Not George yeah. Southern, just Southern. So take that for what you will. But I think they set the record. They scored 37 points in the first quarter. That's yeah. very difficult <laughs> to do against air. Like, yeah. that's impressive. So, Yes, maybe the offense has found something. Maybe I, there's something to that. Mississippi State is a really good football team. Yeah. LSU has a lot of talent. We're not going to say they're a good football team yet. I expect this to be a, yeah, I think the line is exactly right. I view it as like a coin flip game. Um, I would be sneaky on LSU right now at home. Yeah, night game in Baton Rouge. Like, sign me up for that. I'll, I'll take a, a good home dog. Um, especially if it's in Baton Rouge. So I'm probably going to be on the LSU side there. Um, mm. Not super confident, though. Yeah, you mentioned that you don't really know what to expect out of LSU. I, that's how I feel about Mississippi State a little bit. <laughs> I, yeah. Well, I, yeah. I actually think that they are I, – I would say they're probably more like a touchdown better than LSU. But there's just right. no way right. – like, like you said, this is a night game at LSU – you don't know which Mississippi State team will show up. You don't know if Mike Leach is going to make the other team look absolutely silly or yeah. if he is just going to be confounded because he can't figure it out. We've seen both. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> watch this game. Watch this game. Don't bet on it. He's, yeah, no, uh, agreed. He, he's, he's got, uh, Leach has a couple of games a year where he comes out and you're like, this guy is brilliant. Like mm-hmm. this guy is absolutely phenomenal. And then he, yeah, then he spent the rest of the year reminding you why he's still, you know, at Mississippi State and Washington State and Texas Tech, and now he's not getting any, like, super, super high-name jobs. Because you can watch some of his games, and you're like, oh, so he played he played LSU in 2020, right after they mm-hmm. won the, the championship. And, like, completely dumbfounded their defense. Yeah. It was really just a simple crossing route. Turns out all you had to do is drop eight and play zone coverage yeah. and completely <laughs> stop that offense. But we didn't know that at the time. And yeah, like he'll come out with some of those things. Will Rogers, his quarterback, has been really good. He's mm-hmm. that that dude is a really, really good quarterback. Yeah, LSU has talent. I think there will be some points put up in this game. Um, I'm it's gonna be fun. Must watch. Must watch TV. Sure. It will be one of my five games to watch, no doubt. All right. Texas Tech is at NC State. Um, kind of a fascinating matchup. I I was I've been on NC State all offseason. Like I kind of view them as it, as a ch- the team that has a chance to win the ACC if, if Clemson is not back. And they've been just – they haven't quite performed to expectations so far. It's early. This right. is – this feels like a, like a good – this is an opportunity for NC State to finally say, no, we're for real. They're favored by 10.5. I think they need to cover the spread for us to actually say, okay, they might actually be for real. Because Texas Tech – they're, they're a bit of a sneaky team. They just beat Houston, which is not yes. nothing. I, no. Texas Tech is pretty decent. What do you think about Texas, this game? Yeah, no agreement. Texas Tech has shown a lot of improvement 
um, in just from from last year, really. Like they're this will it'll be a they're they're a a team that is you mentioned a sneaky beating Houston. You you said it's it's nothing to sneeze at. Mm-hmm. Houston's a good football team, and yeah. Uh, yeah, you go there and beat them. So, Texas, NC State, Texas Tech. You get a. There's only so many games that or so many games per year that NC State will be on national TV. This is one of them. Um, yeah, night game, ESPN two. I like. You could see how this. It, it could be. It could be close. This is at Texas Tech. Is that right? This is in uh, Texas. Believe what? it's at NC State. Yeah. No, you're right. It's in Raleigh. Okay. Sorry. So. Uh, yeah, maybe it takes a little bit of the shine shine off the game. I think Lubbock is absolutely bonkers for yeah. games. Um, but like on like a night game on national TV when you know Texas Tech is back, mm-hmm. all these Texas schools trying to get back. I guess. Yeah. But yeah, NC State is is the better football team. Like, there's no question. Um, Clemson has shown a little bit of similar stuff to last year. Maybe just with their offense. I mean, we can get into Clemson maybe more in a bit, but like they have not been great. This is a all the opportunities for NC state right now. Like it's all out there in front of them. So it, yeah, you need to win. I don't know if you need to cover to be impressed. If you win, say, say you win by 10, like totally fine with it. You, you take okay. the wins against solid football teams. Um, it just, it's, it's that Clemson game is a game that you really, really need this one here. You just need to survive in advance. If you're um, the Wolfpack. Makes sense. Okay. Michigan state is at Washington. This is okay. So last year, this would not have been close. Washington's offense the last several years has been trash. Terrible. They, yeah. They've been putting up points this year, and I, I kind of compared yeah. them in the off season to Tennessee last year, and the way mm-hmm. just having a competent offensive staff can turn a pretty talented team from just horrible offense mm-hmm. into actually being able to put up points. And right. so because of that, I do think this is. This could be a really fun game. Vegas agrees. Washington is favored by three here. Um, they're unranked, and Michigan State is number eleven in the country. <laughs> so what? Someone's lying. Yeah, someone is yeah. absolutely lying to us. You mentioned Washington putting up points. Your boy from Indiana, the transfer out there, is the yeah. quarterback. Michael Penix playing really well. Mm-hmm. Michigan State's running the ball at an exceptional rate. We can say that. Like Michigan sure. state is, is going they're They're trying to do what they did, what they did again last year. And they've, they've hammered two teams to start out the year. I don't know where to go with this one. Like the line is so fishy that line. There's no <laughs> way that a number 11 team in the country should be a three point dog to unranked Washington, who was not good last year. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I don't, but would you be shocked if Washington no. covered you wouldn't. Uh, I, <laughs> You might be surprised, but I would be. Yeah, yeah. I, w- I would be a little surprised. I think I'm going to Michigan State's the side for me. I'm a Mel Tucker guy. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a believer in what he's doing there. Um, maybe that, that could be to my own detriment, but so be it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm probably going to be moving on the Michigan State side of three and a half. You can still lose by a field goal and cover like sign me up for all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you're you've been a Washington guy, though. Like wh- why? Why should Washington be favored in this game? Ooh, I thought you were going to ask me why Washington can win the game. (laughs) (laughs) I I think part of it is just the way they've been scoring. They've just been playing. Okay, so let me just look up last week's game. I can't remember the exact score. So they beat Portland State 52-6. Portland State, nobody. But last year, they don't have a prayer of scoring 52 points against anybody. And we know they have... 
at least a fairly talented defense. They have a good receiving core. They're finally getting good quarterback play. I like Kalen DeBoer. I, I really think that was a great hire by them. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'm saying they should be favored. There's definitely a route for them to win this game. I do think if you factor in the strength of their offense is that receiving core and the passing game, where does Michigan State struggle on defense? Yeah. It's the second No, fair Fair enough. Yeah. They have, they're terrible at defending the pass going back to last year. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, that's a hey, compelling argument. That's a very compelling. I, I, I was kind of won over by that one. Really? You have <laughs> like, like that is absolute Michigan state's kryptonite, a guy that can sit there and scheme up like good offensive shot plays down the field, which is Kalen DeVore's specialty. Like yep. they're throwing the ball all over the yard for big chunks too. We're not mm-hmm. talking about just like little yards. They're throwing the ball for like chunks. That's 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 Michigan State's kryptonite. So yeah, okay, it makes it makes a little bit more sense now that you like pull all that together for me. I I, I still like Michigan State. I don't know. I like that ball control offense. We'll we'll see how I feel here in a minute. Sure, a little, a little bit of a clash of styles, which is always it fun. Is. I think. Yeah, enjoy that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <clears throat> okay, let's move on to the next game. This is a game that uh, you probably won't be able to watch unless you happen to get this channel. I'm just saying pay attention to the score just for the first quarter, maybe the first half, and maybe it leads into the fourth quarter. Eventually, UTSA is at Texas. This is on the Longhorn Network, unfortunately. (laughs) Texas is an 11-point favorite. Now, we know Texas is way better than UTSA, but UTSA is tough, and Texas is coming off that emotional loss. They lost Quinn Ewers. Just saying it's something to watch out for. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I like where your mind's at. I really like where your mind's at. It's a game I will not be able to watch. I do not get the Same. Longhorn Network along with 99% of other Americans. Yeah. Um, the line is 11, and UTSA is really good. This is a classic letdown spot coming off that emotional game. Losing yep. a quarterback, like you said, it has, yes, it has all the chances to, to be sneaky, sneaky late into the game. I would not put anything on Texas to cover 11. Like no. the the only I'd put a couple of bucks on UTSA maybe to win outright like just a couple yeah. um like just sprinkle a few bucks in there on that that's other than that I would pretty much just stay away from the game as a whole sure okay Miami Florida is at Texas A and M yes and a five or five and a half point favorite depending where you look yeah. we've heard yeah we we just saw A and M lose to App State. Um, Miami can score points. We know this. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, <laughs> is, was that a wake-up call for AM? Like, where they bounce back, or is this just like, should Miami be favored by five and a half points? <laughs> Dude, I don't know. Like the, the like the quarterback play is so drastic from Miami to to AM. Like they're going to have such a huge advantage at quarterback. Van Dyke is playing really well to start this year out. Haynes King has not been good at all. Mm. Like I, what else am I supposed to say? Like, what else am I really supposed to take from it? I, A&M is definitely the more talented team and they're at home. I mean, Mm -hmm. cool, I guess. Great. But yeah, like, I I mean, Miami has a juggernaut of an offense right now and A&M can't score. Like, why am I supposed to put, (laughs) put any points at all? But then, yeah, all you have to do is think back to last year a little bit. 
where AM can can yeah, they can they can play with anyone. Like we've already we've already found that out. They can absolutely play with anyone. Maybe they were looking ahead. There's a chance they were looking ahead past App State to to the Miami game. And now that game's just out of the way. And now they're really ready and gonna take out some frustration on Miami. Anything could happen. Like we don't have much of a sample size for what Cristobal's doing at Miami. Um, I mean, it's very small, only two games in. He's been exceptional to mm-hmm. this point. I mean, they're off to a flyer. So yeah, I mean, props to them. I would be probably probably leaning on Miami to cover five and a half just because that feels like a large number right now. So tell I, me why I, I shouldn't make that a lock because I, I decided it, at this point I'm kind of against it just because it feels almost like it's too scary, but but it makes right. so much sense. Like, why shouldn't I pick Miami to cover five and a half? I have no real reason for you. Like, that's where I would be going with it as well. Like, what, what has AM shown me in their first couple of games? They struggled in their first game, too. We kind of forgot about that on offense. They were not True. good at all. Like, what 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 have they shown me to think that, like, they're going to be able to come out and score 30 points? Because they're probably going to need to come out and score 30 points to cover five and a half against a really good Miami offense. Like, Miami can score points. Like, no, I have no real rebuttal to that because, like, I'm on, I'm with you. I'm on the same side. I'd be taking Miami um, in the five and a half. And yeah, shaking your hand out the door as I go. Sure. Okay. So we have San Diego State at Utah. Um, Okay. San Diego State won this game last year somehow. Any concern here at all for Utah? They are a 21 point favorite. None at all. I look at what Utah did. Um, granted, they were only playing Southern Utah this past week, but they scored 73 points. I haven't mm-hmm. seen 73 points scored in a long time. That's very hard to do. We talked about how great it was that LSU scored. I think LSU scored 37 in the first quarter. Well, Utah scored 38 in the second quarter this past week. That we mentioned that's difficult to do against air. So yeah. Yeah, they lost to this team last year. You have the whole revenge game factor. I think Utah overall is very well coached. They will be ready for this game. I think they're going to rebound quite well. 21 is the number. That's exactly three touchdowns. Maybe not Maybe not even going to bet on that, but I think Utah would be the side that I would be going on. Okay. And then one last game I wanted to mention just real quick. Fresno State is at USC. Um, Fresno State has been Pac-12 killers in the past. Um, USC looks really good. Kind of the yeah. same as the Utah question. Like it feels like USC should win this game. Is there any any chance here that we see an upset? The line's only twelve, which I mean proves to you that like this game is actually going to be sneaky close. Fresno State is they're good. They lost they lost to Boer. Um, like you mentioned, he went to went to Washington now from from a year ago, and he was mm-hmm. kind of their I don't I don't know if you want to say their secret sauce. To upsetting some of these teams, but he kind of was like he. I mean, he was. He's a really, really good coach. I think USC, their offense right now is good enough to cover two touchdowns against Fresno State. Like for me, this is borderline slam dunk. Like I'm going to be going with USC again to win and to cover. Not the only concern is the defense. Like just getting run to death, which is still a possibility. It's going to happen yeah. <laughs> at some point this year. It's absolutely going True. to happen. Someone's just going to show up and just run the ball for 500 yards against that defense. I don't think Fresno State's the team to do it. I think USC will continue um, rolling. I th- I love what their offense is doing. Addison, Caleb Williams, it's all working. Travis Dye is scoring touchdowns now. Yeah, it's working right now for USC. 
Okay, so that's kind of going through the games. What would you say are your five games to watch this week? And I have to rank these two, don't I? Okay. You don't have to rank them. Just choose five. That's what I've been doing. It's okay. Okay. So I'm going to start out with Miami A&M just from a pure train crash element. <laughs> like this thing could really crash and burn for A&M if Miami comes out and gets up early. I think that would be awesome. I would love every second. Penn State Auburn is number two for me. It was a really good game last year up in Happy Valley. I, they, it's going to be absolutely electric at Jordan-Hare um, this Saturday. Number two, I think that's must-watch. BYU-Oregon, mm-hmm. really good game. BYU is under – they were underrated coming into the year. They have popped off clearly. They, they've beaten good teams. Even going back to last year, some of the teams they beat were really good football teams. BYU is just a good program right now, and we're trying to mm-hmm. see what Oregon has – um, just yeah, depth wise, like, like, where are they after getting shellacked, um, early on by Georgia? What is Dan Lanning doing? How are they developing? Um, so yeah, that would be game number three for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, we mentioned at Mississippi state LSU Yep. again, tr- the train crash factor, sign me up for all of that. All these train crashes. Um, I'll, I will be watching that one. That's game number four. And I'm going to finish up with Michigan state, Washington, seven 30 on ABC number five for Mm -hmm. me so sadly we have exact agreement we did not talk about this beforehand those are my five as well i think there was a few other options um that were intriguing to me um for example liberty uh sorry i'm looking at the wrong game texas tech at nc state sure um you could talk me into texas tech at nc state uh i just said that utsa at texas if it was actually watchable. Um, right. <laughs> so I don't know. But yeah, those are the, kind of the clear five. It did seem like a pretty clear top five games this mm-hmm. week. Um, sure. Not quite the same depth of just amazing games as we had in week two. Um, this is maybe the last huge week of non-conference games. Well, like we, we kind of get into that a little bit where like week one is so good and week two has a lot of good games. Week three is kind of a struggle. Like, there's, there's good sure. football games there, and some of these games are going to be close. But, like, outside of Miami A&M, there's not – well, I get outside of Miami A&M and then BYU-Oregon, there's not just these games that are popping. You know what I mean? Like, if Penn yeah. State was more highly ranked and if Auburn was highly ranked, that one would have a little bit more luster maybe. Right now they're not. And, yeah, it's – it's in another year, this this could have been a really good week. Right now it's 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 okay. It's a, it's a, it's yeah. a week of college football, which is fantastic. But um, yeah, it's it doesn't it's going to get better here in, in in the weeks to follow. Yeah, there's two ranked on ranked matchups, and they involve number twenty four, and number twenty five. So yeah, right. <laughs> okay, so let's get into the locks, Ashton. Okay, you're All the right. one. You're at six and two. We'll let you go first here. What are your locks for week three? Okay, USC covering mm-hmm. twelve at home against Fresno State. Mm-hmm. For me, that's the side that's, yeah, I had success with it last week only, I mean, just barely. They made me sweat it out there at the end, even though they were comfortably in control of that game almost the whole way and tried to give it up there at the end. Um, Lock agreement, by the way. Do we? Okay, awesome. Nice. Yes. Number two for me, and by the way, I may not be do. I, I did four, four locks the first week, four the second, mm-hmm. um, which 
I may actually be kind of trending back a little bit. I don't see just a ton of value on the sure. board this week. I know you bet like just an absolute degenerate <laughs> gambler. You just spray the board with all kinds of bets. So I'm I'm scaling back. I don't know if you are. I'm personally scaling back. I don't see as much value. Um, but I will be taking Miami to cover the five and a half okay. on the road. I just I don't see the downside here, man. Like, yeah, <laughs> a and could really they, – they could. There's a possibility. They, they could. I guess I could see how it would happen is if, you know, like they, they get a little bit of offense rolling early and the defense locks down and they, you know, say, you know, they, they win the game, you know, 27 to 20 or something like that. If Miami gets up, A&M could fold. Like I, I yeah. do actually think that they, they could fold. So is there a chance Max Johnson plays this game? He, if, I mean, then why not play him even a snap last week? Yeah. Like he didn't even get, he didn't even get a snap last week. And that offense was terrible. Like there was nothing in the second. There's no reason not to put him in for a drive or two in the second half, just to see if he can move the ball at all against App state. There's no reason mm-hmm. not to do that. So it, last week showed to me that they're pretty much Haynes King or bust. And it's yeah, it's not looking pretty. Like I'm, I'm not on that. So I will be taking Miami. Those are the only two I have. Now I have a couple okay. kind of in the hopper. Um, those are the sure. only two I'm feeling confident on. I agree with that one as well. I'm also making that one of mine. Okay. I I think that the way it goes wrong is if they're down by 14 at halftime, so they bring in Max Johnson and he lights it on fire somehow. I don't know. Like, yeah. I guess I could see that. But just, just comparing, I mean, you have Tyler Van Dyke against Haynes King and the Haynes King we've seen so far. Yeah, I, I'm not even sure that Miami's better than A&M or will win the game. But it feels like right. this is A and M by a field goal, or maybe something like that, or whatever. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm going to throw in Oklahoma minus eleven against Nebraska. That line just ah. keeps falling and falling and falling. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I I think this is as much this is as much of a faith in Oklahoma to win this game by two touchdowns as it is anything. Um, I know Nebraska always loses by one score. I, I think that maybe Nebraska is a little more normal now <laughs> after yeah. after Scott Frost. Like, I don't know. Maybe they just become normal. I do think the way they hung around last year was with their defense, and their yeah. defense is nowhere near the same this year. I think Oklahoma's going to put points against them, and I'm just not sure they're going to be able to keep it anywhere close. So I'll take Oklahoma minus 11. Um, talk me out of BYU plus three and a half. I, I have no good no good reason there. Let's I okay. <laughs> Let me okay. Let me just think a little bit about it. May, possibility that you know, kind of a letdown, like BYU a little overinflated coming off of that win against Baylor. What really was Baylor? Like so the, so they went and they beat Baylor in double overtime. But what was Baylor? Like they were ranked number nine, but we we're not really sure what if there was any substance to to that. So maybe there's maybe this. They're thinking that, you know, number 12 is too high. Like they didn't actually beat a top 10 team. We don't, we don't view Baylor as a top 10 team. Mm-hmm. And we view Oregon as simply just getting bludgeoned by the best team in football right now. And Oregon's a little underrated. Like, yeah, I, I guess like that's maybe where they're at. I could see it. I just, yeah. How about this? I'm, I'm, so I'm they just away. played Baylor and Baylor is very physical. So maybe Oregon. there's a body blow theory here where, Playing a physical team like Baylor, Oregon can be physical. Um, yeah, yeah. So for that reason, I I think I'm just gonna back off on this one. I'm gonna pull it off my board. 
Um, just because part of the, part of it is, like you said, I've been spraying the board pretty heavily. Last week I texted you. <laughs> I texted you last week, like the day or two after we recorded, and I said I already yeah. regret like three of my picks. One of those was Notre Dame, and sure yeah. enough, I should shouldn't have picked Notre Dame favored by three touchdowns. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll I'll show a little bit of restraint here. I'll pull that one off. Here's another one I really like. Minnesota is fa- playing Colorado this week, favored by 27 and a half. Air yeah. Force just slaughtered Colorado, and Minnesota's yeah. really good. Yeah. Um, I think Minnesota wins this game by at least four touchdowns, and I don't know that it's going to be all that difficult. So I'll take them there. Those are all of my locks for spreads. I have a couple unders, though. Okay. Um, I want to throw a few out real ahead. quick on, on spreads yet before, before we move off. Mm-hmm. Um, LSU covering home dog. I love that, especially home night game. Mm-hmm. In Baton Rouge, I'm taking all of that. Brian Kelly, Mike Leach, like yes, let's go. Okay. So I'm gonna. I, I have LSU covering, or well, no, yeah, they're they're getting two at home. Um, I have. I think they'll probably even just win outright. So okay. yeah, I, I'll be I'll be moving on that one. That I could do one and a half for you. I even better. Even well, no, no, that's worse because they're not favored. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, no, we're, we're not. We're not going that way. We're we'll do plus two. The other way. Plus two. There yeah. you go. If you give okay. me two and a half, that would that would I, be. I don't see a two and a half, so I'll give you okay. LSU plus two. I think that's it for me. I'm a okay. little tempted on Ole Miss minus sixteen against Georgia Tech. I don't think Georgia Tech's mm. great, um, sure. even though it is a home game for them. I like Ole Miss's offense. I think they're going to be just fine. I would be trending that way, maybe a little bit. I'm not going to pull the trigger on it, um, but it'll be one of those that um yeah, it's a, an almost. Why not? What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> I, I'm not i'm betting on lane kiffin i don't bet on lane kiffin okay. it's early rule yeah i don't i don't do that i don't do that okay so i have a few unders here that i really like uh, maybe i can talk you into these one of them is nevada iowa the over under is set at 40 and a half way too high that's way too high i think that nevada is getting shut out by iowa and I cannot see a world where Iowa scores six touchdowns. So I'm going Nevada, Iowa under 40 and a half. Um, oh. Come on, jump on it. You know, you want to so badly, so badly. <laughs> I get, I get, so yeah, I get people tell me that I'm like just an Iowa hater. Like I'm not like, I'm really not. <laughs> yeah, you kind just, of, you kind of stand up for their style of offense, even like I do a little ball. bit. Yeah. yeah. I'm ball control. <laughs> it is absolutely terrible, though, dude. How 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 do you not get a new offensive coordinator in the offseason? Like there there were offensive names out there that you could have went and got. Like I don't understand. Yeah. You mentioned Joe Brady. Joe Brady would have come came back to college if he could have gotten an offensive coordinator job. He did not. Like that means that that you did not go pursue that. Like imagine Iowa trying to play a little bit up tempo. I know it's a whole different style change but like why not it's so bad right now you can't win by scoring seven points they've scored a total of 14 points this year hmm. like that's iowa 14 total points like you're, you're not going to win many games yeah you're you're right i really do want to join you on that one i'm going to show restraint and not okay. i already made my money betting against them last week i just <laughs> I would do, they're going to have like a couple of, they're not, they might not score these touchdowns on offense. They're going to block a couple of punts, maybe run something back, pick six or two. Suddenly it's, you know, it's, it's 46 to 10 and like what I was scored. Yeah. Well, you didn't realize that they scored all these, you know, on defensive special teams. 
that's where I'm going with it. I'm just staying away right now. All right. I have one more. That is Louisiana Tech Clemson. That total is at 54 and a half. Similar in that I think that La Tech is going to struggle to score at all against Clemson. And I, I feel like this is the classic Clemson wins 36 to 10 type of game. Like just they're they're not going to put up huge points because they're they're not going to try. I don't believe. I think they're going to go up. They're going to just strangle La Tech, and they're not going to worry about putting up huge points. Mm. Forty two to three, maybe. Mm. That's that's tempting. I will say that's <laughs> tempting. I'm gonna be. I would be. Yeah. I'm. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna avoid that one. Sure. Um, I I I like where your head's at there. I don't mind that at all. Um. Do you, do you have any overs at all? Any overs? No, I'm done. I'm out. I'm okay. Out. No, okay. I was just going to say, like, betting the Iowa under is just a classic way to make money. And I can't <laughs> believe I'm avoiding that because, like, since when have they hit an over, you know? But um, Western Michigan may be covering the 10 against Pittsburgh, like a bit of a letdown mm-hmm. game for Pittsburgh. This is on the road, Western Michigan might have something there. They beat a, a, a pretty good one. They, um, they won by seven against ball state last week. Mm-hmm. Ah, I'm, I'm not going to pull the trigger on that. I'm just going to stay with, with just the three that I have right now. You have how many, what's your total? I have, uh, is it seven, one, two, three, four, five, six. I got six. I'm okay. going down by one every week. I had eight in week one, seven last week, and now six this week. Gotcha. Well, I'm just going to stay with, with, uh, three, sure. um, yeah, I'm just gonna hold with three this week, and and yeah, just just yeah, just stay on the winning side. You know what? That that means I can lose every single bet, and I can still come on the show next week and say that I'm still making you money because technically I still would be. So yeah, okay, all right. I think that just about wraps it up. I have one interesting tweet I just saw. I should okay. mention. So we're we're talking about Nebraska here. Um, Perhaps a little Jamie Caldwell, uh, Jamie Chadwell. Sorry, yeah, I, I saw that from Coastal Carolina. Just just a little bit of noise there. I actually feel like that would be an incredible hire for Nebraska. What do you think? Because it'd be kind of minded. In the '90s, they were still kind of doing their option offense, and this is sort of a modern option offense. Like, and you you wouldn't have to recruit at the top ten level to actually win a bunch of games with it. I think. Yeah, no, I I don't mind that at all. I like I kind of like where you're going with that. Um, I think the name that I would still be calling first is Matt Campbell. Like I would always yeah. call Matt Campbell first. I mean, you could maybe say Mark Stoops if you could get him. You're probably not going to get Stoops from Kentucky. I just don't see him leaving Kentucky to go to Nebraska right now. I mean, Kentucky's currently in the top ten, so yeah, he's got a good thing going there again. Mark Stoops but- has the best contract in sports exactly like he is killing it I, I guess you could say maybe that his little dust up with Calipari just a couple of like a month or two ago where they kind of got into a little bit of yeah fisticuffs if you want to yeah. say about about yeah who's the bigger man on campus or whatever Stoops mm-hmm. is right now by the way but um yeah I would still be going after um the the Iowa State coach I think Campbell his his time there has I think he's been there long enough like he's made his mark there and I think he would do really, really well um, at Nebraska. He's not far away from it right now. Like, like, yeah, as far as, like, geographically, he's already close. Yeah. By the way, for anybody who doesn't know, when I say Mark Stoops has the best contract in sports, I'm not saying he's the highest paid coach or anything. But he's at Kentucky, and they know exactly what they are in football. 
and he gets an automatic extension when they win eight games. So yeah, yeah, he can go eight and four every year, and they will be happy, and they will keep paying him. And that will and, not happen and, at Nebraska. No, and he right they they fired Polini, who was winning nine or ten games a year. Fired him, and they've they, like they're not even close to that right now. So yeah, yeah, I I do yeah. Stoops, you're right. Stoops would be dumb to leave. Be shocked to see him go anywhere. Do you think Matt Campbell would entertain the thought at all? Uh, what if they pony yeah, up like ten well, mil a year or something? If you if you look at like the conferences, like you get to be part of Nebraska in the new age Big Ten, where they get all True. kinds of money, and right now you're not. Right now you're kind of in the Big Twelve, which is you're like who really knows what that's going to be? You're just adding a whole bunch of teams right now, and mm-hmm. you added BYU, and that's a great ad. But other than that, like what do you really have? So yeah, I I would maybe take it just from the, from the fact that. Like from a program standpoint, you're not that much different. Iowa State and Nebraska are very similar right now as far as just like like where their where their ceilings could be. Mm-hmm. But yeah, long term, long term, I think is maybe where you'd look at that. Is wouldn't that kind of be the hire that other big Big Ten West teams would not want them to make? Like that, I exactly. think Jamie Jamie Chadwell might be there too. But Matt, like if you're Iowa, you do not want Nebraska to hire uh, Matt Campbell. Like if you're Wisconsin, you don't want that yeah. to happen. No, agreed. I think I, even like Minnesota, like they, they do not want any part of Matt Campbell being yeah. like, like no, if he gets Nebraska, like if he gets the boosters riled up, if he gets the NIL where it really could be in Nebraska, if he gets recruiting even to a fraction of where it could be at Nebraska, that is scary for the rest mm-hmm. of the, the big 10 West. Yeah, no, I agree. I think he's, he's the guy that like outside of just a hell Mary hire, like urban Meyer or someone, like he's the guy that has the most substance to it. The guy that could really make the most impact year one. Mm-hmm. So there you have it. Nebraska um, leadership. Um, I volunteer me and Ashton to be your new ADs to make the hiring decisions. Um, you don't, you, you can pay us 50% of market value. We will accept that. Um, and then okay. we will do it. We'll do a good job. I think. So, <laughs> yeah, we, we probably wouldn't have hired Scott uh, Frost this past time. If that helped. He was kind helped. of seen as a slam dunk though. Was he like kind of? He was he, the biggest name out there that that off season. Okay. But it was it was very much a, a flash in the pan, where yeah. Matt Campbell would feel a lot more. Steady. He is not the flash in the pan. Exactly, Campbell yeah. has had sustained success. They, they were viewed as a playoff team by some people last year at Iowa State. Like yeah. the fact that that even can be viewed is is simply crazy. So he's done an yeah. exceptional job there, taking them. I think he's won the Big Twelve. And has went to a Fiesta Bowl, I believe, again, at Iowa State. Like, what? <laughs> so, yeah, credit to him. Credit to I, – I hope he gets the job. I really do. I, I want to see him go go somewhere else. Yeah, it would be kind of fun to have Nebraska actually be good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, I think that's about it, unless there's anything else you have before we close this up. Nope. Again, I say this, I think, uh, at the end of every, like, preview pod. We only get 12 or, in some cases, 13 of these college football weeks, just enjoy it as watch watch as much football as you possibly can have it on mm-hmm. multiple screens all at the same time. It's viewed as a down week. They view everyone views week three as kind of like one of the worst weeks of the year. This, this is when upsets happen, man. I'm telling you, this yep. is when like, this is when absolute mayhem can happen. So yeah, just keep up, keep up, watch it and enjoy it. Yeah. Just as a neutral college football fan, college, college football weeks are kind of like ice cream. Even when they're bad, they're still pretty good. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. On that note, thank you. Thank you everybody for listening. Uh, 
subscribe, tell your friends. Um, doesn't hurt hurt you at all to like our YouTube videos. Like, come on down, subscribe. Like I said last week, steal your mom's phone and subscribe on her phone as well. Give us five stars. You can do that on both Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We really appreciate it. Have a great week, everyone, and God bless you all.